This morning, we're going to take a little bit of a different angle. Uh, We're going to take a break from Matthew. It's no longer Christmas, and so we just have one Sunday here that can stand alone. And so uh, I picked a random uh, passage. It's not completely random. There there were a couple factors that influenced uh, the topic and text this morning. Uh, First, I had occasion in November to slow down and think about my life. And I realized that uh, two of the four hardest years of my life were 2020 and 2021. And I have to say that that shapes my view of 2022 in uh, some competing ways. I have to admit that I tremble at the threshold of a new year and think, surely it can't be as bad as that, can it? And at the same time, I look back and I think about what I've lost, I think about what could have been, I think about how it used to be, and I wonder how to get back there. The reality is we're not going back. What is gone is gone, and it's time to turn around and look forward. It's time to quit waiting for things to get back to normal. I think it's time to strain to create a new normal and to get lift off for a better future. And even as I say that, I have to admit that this way of thinking only makes my life harder and less happy. And so some of what shapes my topic today is my tendency to look back with longing for an easier or better day. But the other thing that influenced my topic and text this morning is extremely positive. Um, In fact, I go back to um, April of 2004 when our church unanimously decided they wanted to be a church planting church. And then this fall we reaffirmed that in our budget and elections meeting when we approved a budget that built church planting in at a very significant level. And so it's one thing to vote unanimously that we're excited about planting a church, and it's another thing to see it happen. And so at the very beginning uh, of the year, actually before next year even starts, I want to say this. I, wanna, I want our uh, hope of planting a church in 2022, it's not something for a select few who happen to be the ones who get to do something interesting. It will take all of us doing kingdom things. It will take all of us praying kingdom prayers It will take all of us changing our priorities into kingdom priorities. 
I said this isn't going to be a message from Matthew, but it does sound like that, doesn't it? Because Jesus came to bring a kingdom. And I think all of us living as kingdom people, doing kingdom things, praying kingdom prayers is different from merely saying goodbye to a church planter, but rather it means all of us being a church that is planting a church. And I recognize, even as I talk about church planting, that um, setting out to do that will be the result of us doing many other things first. It's not merely that that's what we're going to do. It's that we're going to do all these other things. And lo and behold, if God helps us, what will result from all of those things that we do will be a church. And so the reality is, I think, that all of us are going to need to trust God, not merely the few who happen to go be part of a church plant. And so, that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to encourage you to take uh, your Bibles and turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. And it's interesting that he even uses here a planting metaphor, but you'll, you'll see very quickly that it's not just about, it's not at all about church planting, it's about the church and what God wants to see the church become. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Who plants and he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Well, here 
I see in this text, and I hope you will see in this text, that because the church, which is built on Christ, is the hope for the world, it matters how we show up in the world. Because the church is the place where anyone would meet God, it matters how we invest in the church. Because of the centrality of the church of Jesus Christ in His program in the world, we must take care that we give our lives to it in a way that matters for all eternity. So first thing that is really obvious here, and I think so, so encouraging, is that God builds the church. God is the one that causes it to grow. God is the one who builds it. And I say that's encouraging because I've already admitted <laughs> that this reminds me of 2020. That I think, oh, the whole thing with God's church is out of control. And you know what? It isn't. God gives the growth, it says here. And really, it's neither Him who plants or Him who waters, but God who gives the growth. And so, I want you to notice in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, several things. First, is that people play different roles. We, we all do different things, but God brings the growth. It may take more work than you think, but it's God who works through your work. And when He does... God gets the glory for the work. And He promises reward for the work. I want you to see too that building the church, whatever investment you might make in the church, is a partnership with God. That God is inviting us even this morning through His Word, He is inviting us into a partnership with Him so that we might work with Him. In fact, it uses a word that you would never actually think of. We are His fellow workers. It's not like God needs fellow workers. <laughs> he doesn't. God... God could say the word. I was going to say snap his fingers, but that's too hard. He could just say the word and the work would get done. But God chooses to use some who plant, some who water, some who fertilize, some who weed, some who plow to get the work done. The next thing he does is he uses an agricultural metaphor and he says, you are God's field. Uh, I had the, the privilege of growing up in Wheatland County, Montana. It was named Wheatland for a reason. Because everywhere you went in every direction out of town, you would see wheat fields. And most of the time, the wheat fields were empty. And nothing appeared to be happening. 
And yet there was a period of time, either in the fall or in the spring, when the farmer would plant. It was dry land farming, so even the watering came from God. Become August, September, there would be a time then when the whole community would come together. And fields all throughout the county were being harvested frantically, really, uh, 12, 15 hours, 16 hours a day because apparently out of nowhere, trucks were filled with uh, grain and taken to the elevators and stored to be sold and used later. The church is like that. Might appear that nothing's happening. Might appear that, well, there's a pandemic they can't even meet or they have to wear masks when they come together. And the reality is God is doing something here. And that God is making a church become the kind of church He wants it to be. You are God's field. Growing according to His plan. And then as though he doesn't even care, <laughs> uh, he says, I'm gonna, I, I want a different metaphor. You are God's building. You are God's building. You, church, are God's building. Every time the building metaphor is used from the church, about the church, it has to do with the variety of its membership. There are some blocks, there are some window frames, there are some doors, there are some um, heating ducts. Who knows? There are all kinds of pieces that go into this building that God is making. And every time the metaphor is used, it talks about the variety of the members and the uniqueness of their roles. And this is the important part. Every time that it's, this metaphor is used in the Scripture, it speaks of the orientation of each of those parts to Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone or who is the foundation in this text. In other words, the whole point of having a building is that it is oriented around Jesus. The whole point of having a church is that Jesus is at the center of the church. And so what we're reminded of here is that each of us will play a different role. Some will plant, some will water. That's the field, right? Some will, will play a different role. Some will be windows, some will be doors, some will be um, carpet, some will be uh, upholstery or decorations or heat ducts or whatever. And the, the point is, all of us will do this so that Jesus is central. That's the beauty of what God is doing here in the church as He builds it. And so everyone, and that's the thing I want just to leave you with there, is that everyone will have a role to play. There'll be different roles. Some might be small, some might be big, some might take a few seconds, some might take all year. But we'll all have a role to play. In verses 10 through 15, he builds that out, that idea that everybody has a role to play and how you interact with your role and how you interact with the church is important and it makes an eternal difference. I, 
it is important and it makes an eternal difference. It is, it is impossible to overstate that, isn't it? He says here in verses 10 through 15 that he has laid the foundation and the foundation is Christ. And on that foundation, it matters how people beg, how people build. But the thing that you must see first is the foundation is not up for grabs. The foundation in the centerpiece of this church, the most obvious part of the church, must be Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that there are churches who attempt to build on something else. Maybe on programs or maybe on uh, a style. And the reality is those things will not work to build the church of Jesus Christ. It must be firmly anchored to Jesus. It's the only way the church will work. The other thing I want you to notice there in verses 10 through 15 is that this is, this is an all-skate. This is an all-hands-on-deck effort. Notice he says, this is the Apostle Paul, right? I laid the foundation. I did that, he said. He's well aware that his preaching of Jesus was the thing that got the church started and that it, the foundation is Jesus. And then, then I want you to notice the pronouns after that. He says, someone else, no one, anyone, each one's. And I think that it's really important that you notice that this building of the church is not someone else's job. It's not something that belongs to the pastor or to the youth leaders or even to a church planter. This is what he's talking about belongs to anyone and everyone. It's all hands on deck. God is building something here that He wants all of us to participate in. And you think, well, that's, you're, you're overstating this. I just want you to recognize this letter of 1 Corinthians, you go back to the very first verse in chapter 1, it was written to the saints. It was written to the saints who were there. That's you. It's not written to Titus or Timothy church leaders. It's not written to a missionary. It's written to the saints. And so when he's talking about the saints, he's saying, I laid the foundation, and all of us who are at work to see God's church become all that it can be, all of us are involved. We all qualify as participants in the work of Jesus. We are fellow workers with Him. Those who by faith have been included in the promise are also by faith included in the privilege of building up His church. The other thing you have to notice in these verses is that the quality 
of your participation is a matter of eternal consequence. Judgment will reveal whether you invested gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw. When the heat is on, what will be the quality of your participation? What are you giving your life to that will have eternal consequences? How, are you, how will you prioritize 2022 in such a way that a thousand years from now you will look back and say, that was a good year? Now, even as I say that, I, I suppose there's a way to overthink it. But I love that he makes it clear. This is not a matter of salvation. You don't invest in the church of Jesus Christ who gave his life that the church might live. He gave his life so that you might have life. You don't invest in the church somehow so that you earn it. It's not a matter of salvation, but rather... Uh, a matter, I think, of happiness. It says he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved. It's not a matter of salvation, but really it's a matter of not losing, not missing out on what God is doing in the world. And so this means that my very talking to you about this right now is nothing but an invitation for you to invest your life in such a way that you enjoy the fruit of that life forever. And if I look through that lens, I want 2022 for New Life Church to be a good, a really, really good year. And so, the quality of your investment in the church that Jesus is building has eternal consequences. But the other thing I want you to notice in verses 16 and 17 is that the church is the means by which people meet God. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. This is a great, this is a great um, text to help explain what the church is. You are God's temple. Now, first thing you need to, to see is that this is you, plural. You might look a few chapters later in chapter 6, it's you, singular. Here it's you, plural which means all y'all are God's temple. All of us together represent God's temple. We are the way that people in the world meet God. That's what it means to be a temple. It says that the temple of God is holy. 
And you are that temple. That means the temple is set apart. It's, it's special for some reason. And that reason very clearly is that the church is the place that people meet God. Now, lest you be confused, we're talking about the building. No, not this building, not a building in Wilsonville or Gladstone. The building that the Bible talks about says you are the building of God, the temple. And the temple has always been the place where people meet God. The entire world depended upon the temple so that they might be reconciled to Yahweh, the God of Israel. Began in the Garden of Eden, where God met with Adam and Eve. Later, God gave Moses tabernacle instructions for a meeting place. Then He did the same for Solomon in the temple, and God dwelt in that temple, and people came and offered sacrifices, and they met with God. That's what the tragedy was throughout the Old Testament when the temple was destroyed and the nation exiled. It raised the question, how can human beings relate to God without a temple? And then Jesus came. And Jesus looked around and He said, I will raise this temple in three days after it's torn down. The Gospel narrator tells us he was speaking of himself. Because the way that God meets with people now is through Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so then, Jesus died and rose again and ascended on high with the Father. And it is now His body that is in the world, the church. It is now His building that is in the world that is the means by which people meet God. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. The hope of the world rests on the church because it is the church that will carry with it the person of Jesus. And Jesus is the one by whom the world relates to God. And so this is the tragedy. When the church is asleep or when the church sins, how will the world know? If the church abdicates this responsibility, the world remains in darkness. If the church does not live like the people of God in the world, bringing people into God's presence, they will not get there.
That's what it means to be the church. The people who are being built together relating to Jesus in the right way, they are the temple of God and the people will be the way that other people come to know God. And I hope even as you think about that, that the dots now begin to connect to what it means for New Life Church to be the church of Jesus Christ. That's why I think 2022 will be such an important year for our church. So let me just remind you of my assumptions about the coming year. Assumption number one is this. When we work as co-laborers with God, God will build His church and cause it to grow. When we are fellow laborers with God, God will build His church and He will bring the growth. My second uh, assumption is this, that everyone is in on the action, that everyone has a part to play in this building. Everyone has a role in this field and in the harvest. And just like there is no elitism in the church, there are no spectators in the church. God involves His people in His work. And since everyone is in on the action, how you, every one of us, engages that work and how we work together as a team and as a church will have eternal consequences. I assume that about 2022. And my third assumption that I want to make sure that you see as well is that the way that Clackamas County or our neighbors or our co-workers are going to meet God is through His church being all that it can be. I assume that the church must be the carrier of the good news that people must believe. In fact, how will they hear unless someone is sent? And ultimately, it is what they hear, the Word of Christ, that will invite faith and help people come to know Jesus. And so, here's, here's what we're going to do. How's that? Since we believe that it is God who will cause the church to grow, we are going to begin the new year 
in prayer. We're going to do our best to find a variety of ways to pray, a variety of times to pray, a variety of things to pray about. We are going to depend completely on God. Because we really do believe what it says here, that it is God who will cause the church to grow and to thrive. And so, we're going to begin the year in prayer. And since we believe that building the church belongs to everyone, and we understand that God wants everyone to invest themselves in His kingdom work. We're going to give ourselves to that together this year. We're going to do our best to communicate ways regularly that you can do sometimes little kingdom things, sometimes big kingdom things. You can pray kingdom prayers, sometimes little prayers, sometimes big prayers. And we're going to do that in a couple different ways. We're going to have some, uh, a place on our website that will house training materials and things that you can access to, to just help you take a next step with a neighbor, take a next step uh, with a friend, take a next step in your prayer life for your growth. In other words, it'll be a go-to place for living in this world as a kingdom ambassador. And then, since we believe that the church is the way that people meet God, we're going to make it our aim to turn outward and to bless our friends and our neighbors in our community. We're going to do our best to do that in small ways and in big ways. In ways that you can do sometimes in 30 seconds in ways that may cost you quite a lot. But we do it because we believe that the church is the temple of God in the place where people will meet Him. And so all of this, this turning outward and this prayer and this um, initiative to invest, we're going we're gonna to call this simply our Kingdom Initiative 2022. And we want you to hear about it today and to hear about it regularly. So we're going to send out some e email alerts in the new year, and we'll give you an opportunity to sign up for those. But right now, I want to encourage you to um, sign up for text alerts that will give you just simple things that you can do and keep you tethered to this mission for the year. And you can receive those text alerts by texting the at symbol at KI2022 to 81010. How's that? At KI2022, text that to 81010. 
And that will give you uh, the connection to the rest of the church and the things that we're all going to be doing together so that we might see God do something special and unique in 2022. And so it's my prayer that 2022 will be a year of investment in things for you and for me that matter for all of eternity. It will be a year of working alongside God for the growth of His church and the glory of His name and the good of our community. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are reminded even yesterday of the initiative that you took and the investment you made to reach, to reach down and to, and to come after us. And so, Father, I pray that you would grant us the grace to reach out and to love people that uh, maybe we don't know yet, maybe that uh, are just in our sphere of relationships. But, Father, I pray that you would be pleased to make 2022 a year that matters for all of eternity, for each one of us and for all of New Life Church. And so we will thank you for your help, and we will rejoice and give you glory for your work uh, building your church. In the name of Jesus, amen.